Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, Magic and Alchemy is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. Kristen, it's so good to see you again. Yes, it's so good to see you too. What's going on today? Well, you know, here in the Azores this past week, our village has been celebrating their annual festa, Mm. which is a week-long party dedicated to St. Anthony, who, among other things, is the patron saint of lost things. Mm. So every day there are fireworks, bands playing live music and parades and food trucks all around. Occasionally there's a procession with people and the local priest walking down the street carrying a statue of St. Anthony. So overall, the mood is rather joyous right now, and it really feels like a farewell to summer. What about you? How's Brooklyn? How's city living? Well, first, that sounds like a lot of fun, I want to say. Next year, I'm going to come. But here in Brooklyn, you know, the air is is starting to change finally after like a really warm summer, um, which is always kind of odd at first. Like this morning, I had the door open and was making coffee and I was like, oh, like it's different, but Mm -hmm. a little bit of relief, um, even though summer here in New York is one of my most favorite things. But to be honest, as of this morning, the the construction construction season is just driving me crazy. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, con- construction is just not at all conducive to humans who love sleep and naps. So I definitely feel you there. But like you said, autumn is in the air. Yeah, and that's Banjo and I to a T. But yeah. <laughs> would you like to share today's listener question? Of course. So here at Magic and Alchemy, we love the goddess, the mother, maiden, crone, but we've been asked about some of the more God-centric tales or archetypes that show the masculine in a softer light. Specifically, parents have asked us if we know any stories or folk tales with male characters who are not the hero who can do no wrong, but also not the evil, greedy king or villain or some other stereotypical trope. Essentially, what gods and their stories embody the type of masculinity that we as witches want to see? So this is such a good question, and as someone who adores the goddess and has a tricky, bruised relationship with the masculine, Mm -hmm. um, also a challenging one to answer. I think it's important to note that the characters and archetypes we read about in folklore and literature and mythology, no matter their gender identity, are not always or really ever meant to be well-rounded individuals because they're embodying and giving life to a certain type of energy that exists within all souls. So I think um, learning about, you know, the less favorable archetypes carries its own unique medicine. That being said, I do have favorites when it comes to gods and masculine deities. The first that came to mind when I saw this question in our inbox might sound strange, but it's a deity that I'm currently working with in my own practice, and that is the Roman god Mars, um, sort of in preparation for Mars retrograde, which is in our near future as we record this episode. So because of Mars' Greek counterpart Ares, who is pretty violent and terrible as many Greek gods were, Mars is mostly known for his role in battle. He was a warrior and a defender of his people, but also a guardian of plants, as Mars was an agricultural deity. He is son to Juno, who conceived him with the help of flora and a magical flower, which is perhaps why he's revered by farmers and why he protects our fields during harvest season. 
It's also amazing to work with Mars as he is who our red planet is named after. And so learning um, some of his stories can be a doorway into planetary magic if that interests us. We can appeal to him on Tuesdays, his sacred day, or through elemental magic, since Mars rules the element of fire. But if characters from folklore and fairy tales are what you're looking for, there are so many stories via the Storytime series on the Tamed Wild blog that you might like if you're looking for masculine protagonists. Um, I especially like A Basket of Figs, The Prince Who Lost His Shadow, Prunella and the Witch's Son, the Tale of the Forest Bride, and one of my favorites, When Dusk Meets Dawn. You can also learn about the more traditional mythological gods via the blog as well, like Apollo and Jupiter. And um, Kate, I know you just did a piece on Mercury not too long ago as well. Yeah, I did. You know, Mercury is um, one of my favorite gods. And as a poet, mm -hmm. I know that he has helped my pen more than a few times. So yeah. thank you, Mercury. Um, a little bit about him. The Roman god Mercury, he soars across mythology on his winged sandals. In Roman myth, he is honored as the god of shopkeepers, those who travel, fertility, good fortune, merchants, and thieves and tricksters. A trickster character himself, Mercury is known for stirring up a bit of trouble among mortals and the Roman pantheon. According to myth, Mercury is the son of Maya and Jupiter, and both Maya and Mercury were honored as a part of the Mercuralia Festival on May 15th, the day when his temple was dedicated in the recent history of 495 BCE. Mercury is often depicted as delivering messages between the gods and mortals, escorting souls off to the underworld, and playing mediator during conflicts. In depictions of Mercury, you may see him holding a purse, wearing winged sandals or a winged cap, or carrying a staff to honor his responsibilities as an intermediary, traveler, god who transcends the binary and moves between worlds. I also am a big fan of the god Pan and would love to write something up about him as well sometimes, so stay tuned for that. But I think his version of kind of unbridled masculinity is definitely something wild and fun to explore. Pan is the god of the wild, shepherds and flocks, rustic music, and a companion to the nymphs. He has the hindquarters, legs, and horns of a goat, and in the same manner as a fawn or satyr. Pan is therefore connected to fertility and the season of spring. I know, Kate, that you're in your Saturn return and have been studying Saturn lately, so I have to tell you, I find it interesting um, that Pan is one of the aspects of Saturn, um, oh. potentially because of his relationship to Capricorn, the sea goat, uh, and also in the real world, uh, <laughs> Pan lives in our sky because one of Saturn's innermost moons is named after him. Oh my gosh quote-unquote real world <laughs> yes but that's such a synchronicity I, I didn't know that and I'm gonna have to hit the books about that after we're done recording today yeah let us know conversation to be continued yes uh, but for now should we tell everyone about today's episode yes today we are just over the moon excited to Introduce to you Jessica Hundley, the visionary behind a Toshin book series that we love so much, The Library of Esoterica. I believe we are both holding the witchcraft edition in our hands mm -hmm. right now, <laughs> but listeners, you might also be familiar with the tarot and astrology editions that she created alongside Toshin and an amazing group of writers and artists, including her co-editor for witchcraft, Pam Grossman, co-editor for astrology, Andrea Richards, designer Thunderwing Studios, and magical practitioners including Robin Rose Bennett, Edgar Fabian Frias, Amanda Yates Garcia, Starhawk, Gabriella Herstic, Madeline Miller, Marcella Kroll, among many, many others. So beautiful. And for her official bio here, 
Jessica Hundley is a Los Angeles-based writer and director and the creator, author, and series editor for Tashin Publications' multi-volume collection, The Library of Esoterica, a book series exploring the visual history of tarot, astrology, witchcraft, plant magic, and other esoteric traditions. In her 20-plus year career as an arts and culture journalist, Hundley has served as masthead editor for Dazed and Confused, The Fader and Flaunt magazines, as well as writing for publications such as Vogue, Rolling Stone, The New York Times, and many others. She's authored and edited numerous music, film, and culture books over the last decade for Toshin, Rizzoli, Fidon, Chronicle, among other publications. Her directing work includes numerous music videos, shorts, and commercials, as well as a feature documentary, Such Hawks, Such Hounds, which chronicles the American hard rock underground. In both her film and writing work, Jessica explores cultural themes with a particular focus on metaphysics, psychedelia, and magic. Something that I truly loved about this conversation, and I know you feel the same way, Kristen, was just the emphasis on community. How Jess's true vision for witchcraft by Tashin was to create a physical artifact that combined the old masters with the new contemporaries on the same pages and shared words and voices from witches all over the world. While we focus this conversation on the witchcraft book of the series, the conversation meanders and highlights the intention of the series itself, as well as where the Library of Esoterica is headed, and we are just so grateful to be here along for the journey. Jess met with us via Zoom from her home in Los Angeles to talk about witchcraft, staying true to your path, and she even gave us some hints about what to expect in her next book, Plant Magic. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Jess. It's so good to meet you and and to see you here. Great to meet you guys and to see you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an honor. So before we get into everything, um, what are your big three in astrology? I am a Gemini sun sign. My Mm. rising is Virgo and my moon is Cancer. Love that. I'm a summer month solar baby. (laughs) Yes. And Kristen and I are familiar with your work, but for our listeners who are just meeting you for the first time, uh, can you share a little bit about your own work and your own words? Uh, I am a, I, I, I like to call myself a storyteller. Um, I work in a lot of different um, mediums, but uh, I started in journalism, doing arts and culture journalism, and um, also filmmaking, documentaries, and music videos, and commercials, and, uh, and books. Um, and slowly, that has all sort of evolved and melded and climaxed into a career as a, as a writer and as a creative director. Um, and yeah, and I, I really love, it all sort of returns back to storytelling and also to my journalistic roots, which are uh, really, you know, I specialized in a lot of like cultural writing and art writing specifically about sort of countercultural movements throughout the ages. Um, And, you know, I really love being able to find incredible art, incredible music, incredible um, architecture, all those things from the past and kind of that have been, you know, relatively, you know, uh, obscure for a long time and kind of pluck them out and hold them up to the light and let share them with people. I really love to kind of um, be able to share um, all these incredible, you know, 
ideas and um, concepts that were manifested that have been forgotten about or very few people know about. Um, and that, you know, has sort of been a thread through my whole career in terms of, you know, writing about, you know, music um, that, you know, is obscure, rare, writing about films, writing about esoterica and esoteric subjects and esoteric art. Um, and so it's all sort of culminated in that, mm-hmm. in that way. I think I can speak for everyone when I say it really sounds like you have a dream job there <laughs> with all these amazing things you get to write about. And it sounds like you've been doing it for, you know, quite a while. I have an absolute dream job. It's not been an easy thing to do with my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I got into journalism at a time when, when you know, I thought I was going to be working for, you know, uh, Rolling Stone it, as it was in 1972 and it was 1992. <laughs> so mm. music and, and journalism, it was in a real transition when I came into that career and and it uh, it was really kind of, um, you know, fine, f- sort of a lot of magazines I worked for went out of business like Spin. And um, so it was it was hard. And I've been freelance all my life, which is, you know, not also not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I think it's gotten a lot easier for people over the years. And, and, and now I feel like it's very much um there's there's a sort of support for that lifestyle, but definitely it was um, it was hard to kind of <laughs> survive. Um, yeah. But it's now you know I I just was actually talking with my husband who's in you know also an artist he's a musician and a actor and um, you know we've kind of always kind of just pushed through and and what you find is you know you put your heart into everything you do and. And it comes back to you and, and it culminates, you know, and I feel like I've been very lucky in that a lot of past projects have led to current projects. A lot of past relationships have led to current relationships um, and the community that I have of all, you know, these incredible people that I've met through my career have, have also, you know, been along for the ride and supportive. And so, yeah, I feel very, very, very grateful. Um, but, um, you know, and I, I really like encourage anyone who's starting out in a career in, in creative arts and writing or all of those things that are sometimes hard to manifest in, you know, our patriarchal capitalist America. Um, (laughs) I I really encourage, you know, persistence and patience and gentleness, you know, with yourself and kind of keeping, keeping at it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe a little bit of magic as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to share um, some of your words with our readers today. So for the intention of the series in For the Seekers, you wrote, the goal of this series is to present condensed summaries of these ancient systems and from there encourage readers to further explore the rituals, ceremonies, and sacred philosophies of various global cultures. The task is to inspire readers to seek out knowledge, to study the teachings of scholars past and present who have dedicated themselves to the development and preservation of these ancient arts. The hope is that the Library of Esoterica emboldens readers to begin their own journey down into the dark half of the arcane, to pull the dusty tomes from the shelves, to take the time-worn cards from the satchel and spread them across the silks, to look up to the sky and read meaning in the movement of the stars. And that's just so beautiful, I have to say, first off. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And, you know, in the Library of Esoterica and these amazing books on witchcraft and tarot and astrology that you've written and edited alongside Toshin, what has been the most rewarding part of this process? And then on the other hand, what has been the most challenging? It's been just everything about it has been incredibly rewarding to get back to the dream job idea. (laughs) Um, 
you know, I had worked with Tashin on other books. Um, I had worked with them on a book with the actor, artist, um, director, Dennis Hopper, before he passed on a book of his photographs. That was the first book I did with them. I worked on a book about Bob Dylan, a book about John and Yoko. Oh, no. Um, and I, so I had a, a, a relationship with the, the company and a wonderful editor in-house. Um, and I came to them with the idea. Um, I've been interested in esoteric subjects for a very long time, since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I found was that there was a lot of material out there that was either um, the writing was sort of obtuse and dense and, or it was really weighted with dogma, um, or it was coming from a specific practitioner's vision. Um, and then it also didn't have the, an aesthetic that I felt aligned with, um, and so I came, I came up with this concept with my in-house editor and the wonderful Nick Taylor of Thunderwing, who is my friend and who is a freelance designer, of presenting a series that really focused on these practices in a way that was introductory. Um, <clears throat> that sort of also was journalistic. So introducing these subjects in a way that felt clear and you know poetic but also and entertaining and stuff but not uh not weighted down with academic uh or not weighted down with dogma um kind of letting people find their way through it and really focused on the way we express these practices through art um through all these sort of ways that we manifest it creatively um so that was the initial intent, and and I wrote the For the Seekers mission statement before we even started on the books, and it appears at the end of every book. Um, mm-hmm. And it really that that what you just read was really our vision from from the very beginning. Is you know this this kind of way of bringing people in, allowing them to kind of get a, an overview and an introduction, and get excited, and then. You know, we have an extensive bibliography and resources at the end of every book and really kind of encouraging people to go out and explore on their own and find their own uh, relationship with these practices. Um, Because for me, I feel like, you know, tarot, astrology, witchcraft, the next book is plant magic, which will be coming out soon. You know, all of these are specifically these first three books um, are practices that have been hidden um, in some ways, you know, sort of scoffed at or people are frightened of and 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 they're all sort of methods of inner exploration, tools to find yourself and um, find your connection to source in your own way outside of um, traditional religious structures. Um, and I really feel like there it's really important that people know about these tools and decide if they want to use them um, and not sort of be afraid of them or, uh, you know, judge feeling judged by practicing them. Um, you know, and I, I, I really wanted to find, find a way to, to connect with people that felt both traditional in in a book form, um, but also uh, exciting and kind of modern and fresh. And um, and the way to do that really was through incorporating, we have pull quotes in all of the books from contemporary practitioners. Um, so hearing people's voices who, who practice, you know, in these traditions and then also exploring it through both historical art and an incredible array of like contemporary artists, which that is my favorite. Now get back to your question. Uh, that is my favorite thing. Uh, that's been the most rewarding is um, being introduced to this incredible community of contemporary artists and practitioners, and then allowing their work to sit beside like 
a Dali or a Rembrandt or, you know, and finding that connection. The books are not uh, arranged chronologically with the art. It's very much about sort of the energy of each section and how that, that that's the cohesion. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so it's been really amazing to kind of get turned on to all these amazing people, you know, astrologers, witches, artists. Um, yeah, that's been the most rewarding part. And I'd say the most challenging was when we first started out, um, was just not having any proof of concept and and trying to knock on all these doors and even with Tashin uh which is you know an incredible global publisher even with Tashin behind us it was it was it was difficult to get people to um uh release you know per give permissions and feel feel tr trusting of us of what context their art was going to live. Um, mm. But I, I, with plant magic, we literally didn't, it was like, everybody was like, yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, so it's been, we, now that we have proof of proof concept, that's really been, it, it's been great. So. Yeah. And I know you've been on this path for a long time, but like from where do you derive inspiration for these projects? <sighs> the big amazing beautiful world that we live in you know um yeah. it's just constant uh curiosity you know um mm -hmm. I I always tell the story of I worked when I was working with Dennis Hopper on the first book which was many years ago um one of the things he told me was that when he first got his act, first acting job, when he was 18, he was in Rebel Without a Cause. Um, he made a promise to himself that he would always remain curious about the world and not get bitter. And, you know, he, he had one of the most amazing art collections in the world. He was an incredible art collector and painter and photographer himself. He loved music and he was still so vibrant and curious about the world and it really fed his creativity. Um, and I just, I really like that really resonated with me. And I do feel like it's really important to, stay curious and without judgment and open um and inspiration you know is everywhere if you're in that state you know mm -hmm. I would love to talk a little bit about the preface um to witchcraft in your piece we are all witches and to bring it back to Yoko here <laughs> I love I love the quote that you selected um Yes, I'm a witch. I'm a bitch. I don't care what you say. My voice is real. My voice speaks truth. I don't fit in your ways. End quote. And then you wrote, the archetype of the witch is in a state of constant evolution. The foundations of witchcraft are murky. Its hidden history is suppressed. The archaic brutality of the witch hunts remains resonant even now. Fear manifested as judgment, ignorance exhibited through violence, and yet the witch not only endures but thrives, a symbolic embodiment of victory, of the triumph of magic over the tyranny of oppression. And then you paired this stunning preface with a photo by Bev Grant, um, W-I-T-C-H, Hex on Wall, Wall Street, United States, 1968, and the caption reads, The Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell marched down Wall Street on Halloween to curse the capitalist patriarchy within the lair of the New York's financial district. The Dow Jones average had a steep decline the following day. <laughs> so what was it like to write and edit and seek out writers and artists to collaborate on this project? I just love that collaboration between those those three pieces um and then what did you discover and and what does the witch now mean to you well you know this the the witchcraft book was especially exciting um because of the wonderful Pam Grossman who is my co-editor who had I had um worked with her uh at, on some research for the other two books um and so met her through that and uh and I, I should say, you know, we we had an, a, con a contract initially with Tashin for the 
the first book. And if that went well, we'd do the second book. And so I remember talking to her for some research for tarot and being like, if we do a witchcraft book, you have to do it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she really uh, was hugely you know, influential, not only in she writing a lot of the essays, but bringing on a lot of the writers. Um, And we, I had found, I had read about um, the Women's International Conspiracy from Hell a long time ago and just loved this idea that there was, um, you know, this 60s uh, activist protests, you know, protesting Vietnam War. Um, and there's there's just these incredible photos of them. They're based in Chicago, but they had sort of outlets all over. Um, and when we found that image, you know, I was like, that needs to be the first, the first, you know, that needs to be opposite my essay because this sort of encapsulates this, the, the evolution too, you know, this kind of like um, this idea. And, you know, if you see the image that the, you know, she's, she's got uh, a hand knit cape that says, you know, which, which is the, the original, uh, you know, gorillas, um, revolutionaries you know um and then we have a few different people who write captions actually that caption was written by michelle may who um is an incredible musician and artist she she's in a band called the makeup and uh she is uh has a tarot practice um under the name sacred expanse and she uh, connected. I interviewed her for the tarot book and then she asked if she could help with writing. And so she's the one that wrote that caption. She writes a lot of captions for the books. So yeah, so it was this kind of great like (laughs) coven. Um, and that book too, you know, we, we, the tarot book I wrote, um, and there's some, a wonderful essay by Marcella Kroll and by a, Mm -hmm. um, a German tarot practitioner, Um, astrology is by journalists that I've worked with a lot, um, Andrea Richards, but witchcraft, I really wanted it to be a a coven, a community of people contributing, um, people who were identifying and practicing witchcraft and in a bunch of different kinds of traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, so that book, you know, I think we have 10 different essay writers. We have, 20 different witches, you know, working in different traditions that we interview. And then, you know, we have all this amazing art, you know, from the last hundreds and hundreds of years (laughs) um, that we got to play with. So it really is a beautiful brew. Absolutely. To like open a book like that and just feel all the different kind of portals and all the people, you know, who have inspired me in so many in their own practices, all living in this sort of one artifact together. It's, it's just, yeah, beyond words. It's, that's, that's so, it's so rewarding about this. And, you know, the, the community is evolving and growing and, and I'm, you know, we're sort of starting to try to do more events and, um, you know, more live stuff on the Instagram because like, so let it, letting that community grow outside of just the books um, is I think really important and, and finding, letting everybody find each other and, um, you know, kind of communicating in the unified field. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm very excited about Plant Magic too, which I wrote Plant Magic. We, I interviewed a lot of practitioners, um, but it was such a beautiful celebration of the way that we interact with nature and we relate to nature and plants. And um, it was a really, it was such a fun thing to do after witchcraft, which was very intense and communal to do something mm-hmm. that was like, just go, going back to tarot, which I wrote most of myself too, is just like kind of getting in the groove and um, trying to really meditate on the ways that we use plants in, in myths and in, as symbolism. And then there's of course a big, plant medicine section in the book too and um that's exciting yeah yeah 
So, but yeah, the community is the the most exciting part to me is this community that's growing and growing and growing and, and becoming, you know, intertwined. I mean, I would love to like, you know, find ways to connect different artists with each other so they could collaborate. And, you know, it's just, I, I'm, I have like big ideas about the library of esoterica as this kind of like platform that allows for all sorts of different media, you know? So Kristen and I call it the witch wide web. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I'm curious, what is your relationship to magic and or witchcraft? I have, I feel like I've been a witch since I can remember, Um, you know, maybe not having the word to identify as such, but um, I grew up in in Western Massachusetts in the Berkshires, um, which is very ancient and haunted place, Um, you know, and uh, always had a very intimate relationship. I spent a lot of time in the woods um, I had like a fort under a willow tree that was, I don't know, probably this is a very seventies childhood. I would wander like for miles away from the house. Um, my, yes. parents, my parents did, you know, call, I, they would like call me at some point when it started getting dark. Um, but, uh, Growing up there and then living in Boston, you know, I, as a as a teenager, I was really into punk and goth and heavy metal. And I think I sort of started to find a lot of, you know, I learned about Aleister Crowley and I learned about the Golden Dawn and I read tarot and, um, you know, I, I really, I love, I'm still, my husband's band is a punk metal band I'm still in love with heavy metal that was my entry into witchcraft in a lot of ways is like Black Sabbath mm-hmm. um and I moved when I moved to Boston I went to Boston for college and lived there for a long time and there was this amazing store there called Arsenic and Old Lace and it was a witch store and it had herbs and you know all sorts of, and this was you know early for this you know this was like yeah. not I'm I'm hoping it's still there. It was a really magical place. They had crystals and herbs and I would sort of cast spells and, um, Mm. but very much sort of as a, just as a creative act and as a way to kind of focus. And, you know, I really use tarot still um, as a creative tool. I'll pull, I pull, I do it daily reading but often I'll pull if I'm feeling stuck or if I'm wondering you know if I'm initially concepting a project you know what should I be focused on like what 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 what's you know inhibiting me um and working with tarot in that way as a creative tool has been like a a through line you know since I can remember really since I was probably 10 or 11 so yeah so do you have a favorite deck you know what? It's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, the Rider Waite is what I started with. I think a lot of people, Rider Waite Smith, I like to call it mm-hmm. now, um, because Pamela is Coleman Smith is really, yeah. really the one who manifested that deck. Um, I, I do love the Thoth deck, and I, and yeah. again, like relate that deck way more to Lady Frida Harris, who created the art rather than Aleister Crowley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, there's the cover of the tarot book. I actually have it right here. Um, the cover of the tarot book is this amazing artist. Her name's Julia Turk. And she did this deck called um, Navigator, Navigators of the Mystic Sea. And she did it in the, um, in the, the, late 80s early 90s she's still alive she's in her in her late 80s she she's british but she lives um in the pacific northwest she's an incredible fine art painter she does these massive beautiful paintings um and i had to really she's someone that i had to really 
tracked down. I could, could not find her. I found this deck and fell in love with it. Um, and, you know, she was one of the people that was like, what's Tasha? I don't know. No, you can't use my art. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 please, please. And we ended up, I ended up getting her on the phone and I had the most amazing conversation with her. She allowed us to use a, a lot of her deck in the book. I think we have four or five of her cards in the book. Um, oh. But the decks themselves were published by us games and they gave her back the um the copyright so she owns them so if you buy um navigators of the mystic sea on amazon it's coming from she has some young people helping her they're all in a warehouse and they're the ones shipping all the money goes to her so i always recommend people uh but yeah it's an incredible deck she she studied she is this brilliant, brilliant woman, you know, Oxford educated, you know, philosopher, uh, seeker, and she had a bad car accident and um, went off the road and into the woods and walked out of it unscathed. And she, this was, you know, when she was like in her 60s or maybe even late 60s, early 70s, and she um, promised... Well, I guess she must have been in her 60s. And she promised uh, her guides, her angels, that she would create a tarot deck in thanks um, for, you know, bringing her out of it. And so this is what this deck is. And it's just great. It's her. It's awesome. <laughs> Everybody should. Oh, what a story. Yeah. And so she's the cover of um, the tarot book is her sun card. Mm. Um and it's just beautiful. So yeah, she drew all the all the the figurative cards are are androgynous characters, and she um, she said that her guides told her that she should um, not I gender in, in the the arcana characters, the figurative characters, because there was a future coming where there was not gender was going to be released. And so, and I mean, you know, this is in the late eighties. And so it just, she's just magical. Yeah. That's iconic. <laughs> I have to ask, did you ever go to that, um, haunted, um, the tunnel, the train tunnel in the Berkshires near that bridge over the river. I know what you're talking about. Yes. I, I know. I, yes. And there's all sorts of haunted places there. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of the book, the next books we're, we're working on three more. Um, mm-hmm. We just, we just uh, had a discussion with Tashin about the next three books and, and one of them will be either, spirit worlds or the supernatural i'm not sure yet what the title will be but we'll definitely be exploring like ghosts and spirits and angels and goddesses and you know just spirits sounds amazing yeah yeah so i i love um haunt the the next one is sacred sites which is what Mm -hmm. we're working on right now and uh, part of that will be there'll be a section on on haunted houses and haunted spaces and um places that retain the energy of others yeah I'm just like grinning over here yeah Yeah, I I visited there a couple Samhain's ago Mm -hmm. and I was just like you were saying, the Berkshires have such a cool texture to them. But yeah, yeah, there's de- definitely ancient sort of nature stuff, and then there's the darkness of the you know Salem and the witch trials, and that darkness is there too. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it's uh, yeah, I miss I miss that about the East Coast. I miss the LA has its own amazing glamorous ghosts, though. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah. Oh, so many ghosts in New York City. <laughs> um, so I have to say that the first time I opened this and saw Goya's paintings in here, I was just so excited because I remember seeing them 
when I was studying abroad in Madrid. Um, and there are just so many stunning pieces like we've talked about, of course. And so we were wondering, is there a special piece that holds a special place in your heart or tugs at your soul in a special way? And which one and why? Uh, you know, they all resonate with me in different ways. You know, it's hard. It's like choosing, you know, your babies. <laughs> um, you know, I don't have children. These books definitely are, are, you know, my babies. I've, uh, they've manifested them with all of my <laughs> energy and strength. Um, and I love them so much, you know, there's, there's a lot of art that I feel like I should point out because I feel like it's art that people may not know about too. There's artists like Marjorie Cameron, who, um, you know, was an incredible uh, witch, 60s uh, artist and actress and um, just sort of this iconic character who created amazing work and is just now kind of getting her due, of course, posthumously. Um, and Nikki de St. Fall, uh, who is just I love everything she did. We have a piece of hers in almost every book. Um, Stephen Arnold, the photographer, the late photographer Stephen Arnold, who is also a painter and was also costume designer. Um, I love all of his work so much. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, and 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 Julia Turk, um, her 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 deck and all of the art and her tarot deck I love so much so yeah it's hard for me to say I just and of course all the old masters that we include you know I I, I love William Blake we all we I always try to get a William Blake in there <laughs> um there's an incredible Dutch artist Joffer Boschhart who has passed away but is just his work is incredible a lot of people in in Europe, I think are familiar with him, but not in the States. Agnes Pelton, the Transcendentalist Painting Group, uh, Hilma Ofklin, all of these, mm. you know, it's it's a it's a range of, you know, but everything sort of speaks. It's funny in the process, you know, I, we usually compile literally thousands of images before we dig in, um, before we start going after permissions and licensing. And, you know, stuff is ultimately... Um, decisions, some decisions have to be made on, I have, I have a, you know, <laughs> very limited budget, um, you know, so we, we offer mostly honorariums to people just, you know, cause we're not, uh, we're not asking people to create a new work of art for the book. We're asking to promote what they already have. And, um, and that's a hard, you know, that's, that's, that was a hard ask at first when people didn't understand the context. Um, and then the image houses for some of the classic works, it's, it's, it gets pricey. So, um, we have to kind of be really selective, but we, we, there's a Maplethorpe, a Robert Maplethorpe in the plant magic book that I, really fought for and we we I just needed to have a Maplethorpe in, in there um uh so yeah it's also it's also you know we we compile all these images and then you sometimes we can't track down a high-res scan um so we're limited in that way I just I wish I could just share the thousands of images <laughs> that we collect at first you know because there's just so much incredible art out there you know that would be so cool just to sc <laughs> like scroll yeah see that yeah Francis Denny was yeah. on on in um our season one and that was a lot of fun to speak yeah. with yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we have I think three pieces in the witchcraft book of from her book mm -hmm. she's an amazing photographer yeah I would also love to touch on your piece on the witch in pop culture, which has, you know, Kate Bush to Margaret Hamilton to Grace Jones. So I'm wondering, do you remember the first pop culture witch that you fell in love with? And do you have a favorite interpretation now? I would say probably Kate Bush, um, who, you know, I listened to on repeat when I was in junior high and high school, Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees, for sure. Stevie Nicks, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, there's so many good ones. I mean, Grace Jones, of course, Debbie Harry. I mean, there's all these powerful women who, you know, I would consider are casting their spell on us, um, whether they identify as witches or not. Um, And contemporary wise, I mean, I love like I feel like Tilda Swinton and Eva Green and all these amazing actresses kind of have that essence to me. Um, and, you know, we Chelsea Wolfed, who did this, she allowed us to use a track of hers for the book trailer that we made for Witchcraft. And um, I think there's a lot of amazing uh, musicians out there right now who are kind of channeling that, you know. Yeah, then the return of Kate Bush to the charts. I too. know, I know. We we tried to do an interview <laughs> with her for oh, wow. for witchcraft, and she she does not do interviews anymore. She's pretty quiet nowadays, and and um, I was just like so trying to get her to talk to us, and you know this was like last year, and I was like telling her publicist, I was just like you don't understand like <laughs> that she's so of the moment like she needs to talk to this is like a whole new audience and and now it's like okay I, I told you <laughs> <laughs> I'm ha- very happy for her she deserves it I mean what an incredible incredible like catalog of work she gave us you know so I was like Gen Z wait till you see the video for Wuthering Heights like- I know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everything, the, her style, her performances. She's kind of, to me, uh, uh, you know, she's sort of the uh, the yin to Bowie's yang. You know, mm-hmm. she's sort of the female David Bowie in that she just created entirely her own universe and her performances were so amazing I and mean, theatrical. And yeah, she's she's incredible. I, I, I like to think she's probably just like on a velvet chase lounge in some (laughs) giant beautiful like Downton Abbey style mansion like you know drinking tea and wandering the moors and it's just like oh I'm done (laughs) with her hellhounds I think I think that's probably I think I, I think that is the case I think that she's like thank you good night (laughs) I'm gonna you know live now so yeah yeah, I hope her neighbor is Enya. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, Enya and Kate having tea, you know, out on the moors. Exactly. <laughs> Kate and I have talked a lot about Kate Bush lately and just like as creators of how it's really amazing to think about how, you know, sometimes you create something in the moment and it doesn't really go anywhere or do anything, but it can be years and years and years down the road and it can still come back to you yeah and I think that's like an important thing to just keep in mind yeah yeah well I was there for the first run of Kate Bush and it was not like she wasn't huge then she definitely Mm -hmm. was (laughs) she was I mean you know I mean not maybe not among my uh you know sort of uh, breakfast club style eighties high school where everybody was like a jock and listening to Bon Jovi, but definitely among <laughs> the, the weirdos yeah. and the freaks and the witches, she was the queen, you know, I know she still is. <laughs> so we often get asked, um, for advice on how to break into the, you know, quote unquote, professional, uh, world of witchcraft and magic, um, you know, either in regards to writing or art or another medium. So I'm curious if you have any advice for aspiring magical creators looking to turn their passion into a career. You know, I think it goes back to what I was saying at the start of the interview. It's really about persistence and belief in yourself and Really, there's so many examples of people, like you just said, who really just put their true self into the world. And sometimes that wasn't accepted or understood at first. But ultimately, you know, if you push through and evolve and not sort of like allow yourself to get, and it's hard, you know, it's hard, especially if you 
you know, don't have a foundation of like a trust fund. Of, <laughs> it's hard. Yes. It's hard to be, you know, um, making art your own art and and working sort of outside of traditional system in that way. Um, but I do think that, and and I do think, you know, it is definitely uh, there's so much people want to support artists people want there's a whole community that's ever evolving that want to um pull people up rather than push people down and and celebrate and um support one another and so i think it's about finding finding the people that you know want to listen to what you you have to say or want to look at what you have to paint or you know want to hear your music or you know finding that community and it's easier now than ever because we have these you know the the uh technology and the connection and um you know i think i think it's really just about staying true to what you want to do and really you know working working hard at it and you know Persistence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a waitress through all through my 20s. And in addition to like having a zine and writing freelance music articles and, you know, I was also, you know, covered in grease at the end of the day. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, and it was hard, but you, you know, you, you, I wanted to do that rather than get locked into, you know, a nine to five job that wasn't going to allow me to have the freedom to do the art that I wanted to do, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I just, I think it's just about really belief in yourself and what, that you have something unique and special to say, you know, and, mm-hmm. and pushing that out into the world. And just knowing that there's people out there that are just like you, even if you haven't met them yet. Yes. They absolutely exist. Absolutely, they do, you know? And it was hard to find each other back in the day, yeah. you know? And and now it's it's much easier to find your tribe and find the people that are going to lift you up and and be excited and also be inspiring, you know? We, we, yeah. all, we all inspire each other, so... Yeah, the weirdos and the witches are here waiting mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Come into the circle. <laughs> Join the coven. Before we go, I would love to read one more thing that you wrote here for our listeners. Um, As modern culture evolves, creatives of all kinds pick up their wands to reinvent the archetype and reshape its definition in a way completely of their own choosing. Today, there are no confines, no boundaries, just an infinite field consisting of dream and nightmare, vision and revelation. Like all muses, the witch takes flight through our shared subconscious, their form a reflection and expression of each artist's inner self. Today and onward, the archetype will continue to beguile, to ignite our cultural and creative explorations. Each era initiates a new transformation— as the witch wields the wand and stirs the coffin in which all ideas and imagination boil and brew. Mm. So beautiful. But any final thoughts and words for witches and magic makers out there in the world? Just, you know, stay true. Stay true to that light in you and... uh, and look out and find all the things that inspire it and light you up and find each other and support each other and bring beauty into the world. That's, that's kind of the whole point, right? Um, and grow and evolve and become the best that you're, you are, you know? Um, I feel like that's the whole sort of idea is we're here to bring our unique visions and beauty, you know? So do it. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Jess, where can people find you and learn more about your work? Um, They can go to uh, our Library of Esoterica Instagram, which is um, the Library of Esoterica. 
and they can go to my website, which is just jessicahunley.com. Um, my Instagram is Jess Hunley and I sort of share there all the other projects I'm working on, which, which, uh, Library of Esoterica is one of a lot of different things that I'm doing that, uh, all have a sort of thread through of stuff I like, basically, <laughs> that I'm wanting to, to, uh, to spread the word about. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica, listeners on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at K8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram, at Tamed Wild, or on the blog, tamedwild.com, previously known as magicandalchemy.com. Tune into next week's episode, where we sit with a very special guest. Just a reminder that Magic and Alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be, or something better. Until next time. <laughs>